So good to see you this morning. Um, we just got a notification there uh, when we came up here that the hurricane has made landfall in Florida. And so uh, I just want to take time this morning uh, as we begin to pray for our message, just a, a moment of silent reflection for us and try to get our hearts and, and minds focused on hearing the message today as well. And so let's just pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to come and worship today. And it's a beautiful day outside, and we thank you for that. And we know that so many are going through so much right now. So we just pray your guiding hands on their life. Um, We pray a prayer of protection and of safety. We pray for your church to answer the call when when you make that call, to go and be your hands and your feet. Father, we pray that we would get rid of the distractions in our life today, that we would come to focus on you and what it is that you would have to say to us today. I pray, Lord, that you would be pleased in what is said and what is done. And we pray that you would speak to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. About a year ago, the Summer Olympics ended. It ended the last week of August of 2016. And I don't know whether your house is like my house, but the Summer Olympics, or like I call it, the real Olympics, that, I I don't know, you all might like hockey up here, but we don't like anything else in Kentucky that has to do with the Winter Olympics. But the Summer Olympics is the highlight of every four years for us. We DVR'd everything. Like, if they were shooting something or running after something, we DVR'd it. And I think we almost broke it because we had so much on there. But we, set, we came home, we watched all of it. And didn't it look great? It looked great on television. It, all of the facilities just looked great. Um, they actually built brand new facilities for the majority of the stuff that they did there. And so they had, like, the, we got a picture of the aquatic center this morning. All right, that's what it looked like on the outside, and especially at night, lit up. It looked beautiful, and on the inside, you know, this is where we got to see Michael Phelps race his last race. It was really, really neat. But there's a problem. The problem is Brazil built these buildings when they were already broke. They had no money because they bid for the Olympics, and because they had an economic crisis, most of the facilities weren't built until the week of the summer games. So because they didn't have money, they also didn't plan in the future. The very last race of the Olympics was the very last race that was held or last event that was held in this building. And so photographers went to Rio de Janeiro in April and in August to take a picture of what happened to all these magnificent buildings. And so they got there in April and they took a picture and the nice tapestry on the outside started to peel away. And then they went back one year to the day of the opening ceremonies, and it looks like that. Worse yet is when you look inside. It's empty, it's molded, it's disgusting. You see, they didn't have enough money to keep it going. The majority of Olympic uh, venues that they built are either tore down, vandalized, they've been robbed... Uh, Some of them have have actually gone into decay already. 
In fact, the volleyball stadium that they built, they just used it about three weeks ago for the very first time since the Olympics left. It's not good planning. You don't want to build a building only to watch it die. And that's kind of what James is talking about today. James is saying if you want a life that is full of life, you've got to do a few things to make that happen. The last verse that we're going to read today is what we're going to lead off with. James says in James 2, verse 26, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. He says, listen, if you, you're basically a zombie if you're walking around without a spirit inside of you. You're, you're just kind of a walking dead, pardon the, the pun, but you're walking around, there's nothing alive inside of you, and he, he says, you know what, you're this way in your faith. If all you claim to have is faith, and yet it manifests in no way, shape, or form in your life, your faith is dead. In other words, you may be a really impressive building, but there's nothing going on inside of you, and eventually, because there's nothing going on, it's going to deteriorate, and it's going to die. We don't want to be like this. And so James is taking a chance to go back to something that he mentioned in chapter 1, that your faith has to be accompanied with action. But he's talking about it to us individually. Today we're going to take a look at it corporately. We're going to take a look at it and ask the question, how do we as a church make sure that we don't end up like these buildings in Rio? How do we here at East 40 make sure that we are alive and well, acting upon the faith that we claim that we have? When we were doing research before we came up here, we looked into a lot of stuff. We looked into the school system. We looked into housing. um, We looked into the sports teams because that's actually really important to us. Um, And it's sad, but like if y'all didn't have a good sports team, we probably wouldn't be here. So um, we no, but we looked into all of these these things, and, and but we looked into the church, and we really liked the first three words we saw on the website. It was connect, grow, and serve. And that's the identity of this church. It precedes me, but that, that's what this church strives for. It's to connect, to grow, and to serve. And we believe that doing this enables us to not just claim we have faith, but to live it out. And so this morning we're going to take inventory and remind those who have forgotten or tell people who didn't know how we expect these things to kind of manifest themselves in this body of believers here in this community. And so James 2, beginning in verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James says, listen, when someone comes and asks you for something, the correct response is, I really hope you find it. Blessings on you. Go away. Not really a great strategy to being like a decent person. And so James says, this isn't what you're called to do. Don't just pay lip service to these people. Don't just hope that they can go find somewhere else to live or something else to take care of them. He says, listen, faith without deeds, it is dead. And what's funny is here we are 2,000 years later, 
and we are hashtag activists. Now, I don't know a lot of you are on social media. A hashtag is the pound symbol on your phone, and millennials have made it into something. Basically, that's what's happened. And a hashtag is what you put at the end of a social media post, and it allows people to click on that and ties it into everyone else talking about a specific thing. And so it's a good idea when you're talking about an event or a TV show, you put that at the end so that you're grouped together with all these other conversations happening about this TV or an event. But what's happened is anytime something bad happens, we hashtag it, right? We put something, we, we put pray for whatever, or I'm with whatever, or standing for whatever, and, and we just, we say we're for them. A study has shown that it is making people feel really good about themselves to make these posts. And that same study showed that no one's doing anything about it. In other words, we're saying, be warm and well-fed, hashtag blessed, or whatever we want to put, and we're not, we're not doing anything about it. You see, we don't want to just pay lip service to people who are in need. Here at East 40, we believe in serving. Now, I, I, James didn't ask us before he wrote this. Otherwise, we would have asked him to go connect, grow, serve. But he just went to serve, so we're just going to start with that. But we, we believe in serving here. We believe that we're not going to be a hashtag church where we're going to pray for New Concord or pray for Zanesville or pray for whatever. We're actually going to be hands and feet where we are. Luke 10, 2 says, Jesus tells people, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I used to think that that was just because there were just too few Christians. The more that I grow up, the more I realize that it just means that too few Christians are doing what they're supposed to do. There's plenty of people who are ready to work, but very few who want to be put in the game. And here at East 40, we want to make sure that that's not us. We want to go out into the harvest fields. We want to go and get our hands dirty. And so there's three ways we want to encourage you and can encourage us as abiding believers to serve. And the first one is we want you to serve where you already are. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this more in depth, but we came to the conclusion after reading part of James that God is already where you're going and He has something for you to do. We believe that. First Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever you have, whatever gift you have, you are there to serve other people. You are there to make their lives better. You're there to meet needs. And it's where you already are. You don't have to go anywhere or do anything. It's your family. It's your work. It's your school. It's your kids' sports teams. It's organizations in the community. Where you are, God has a plan for you to serve. We want to be known as a church that serves our community here. We want to invest where we are. All those weeks ago when I was a student pastor, like seven weeks ago, I, we, we kind of had this, this thought because we kept telling our kids, about how great they were going to be in five years and how big of a difference they were going to make in five years and how we couldn't wait because they were the future of the church. And the more that I thought about it, the more it just made me mad because I was like, God wants to do something now. Yeah, five years from now, they're going to be great. But right now, right now, there's something for them to do. So we adopted this phrase and we, we just tried to drill it into our kid's head. We, we said, here's the only place I can be and now is exactly when God wants to use me. And we kept using the phrase, here and now. And it's true. 
we cannot be in two places at once. Right? If you try that, it won't be good for you. You, you are just here. That, that's all you can be. And you can't time travel. You can't go back and you can't go forward. And so all you have is now. And the Bible tells us that God has a plan for us here and now. So we want to be a church that serves where we already are. And we do that. We also give money. We give finances to places here in the community that serve people because we believe in making where we live a better place. So we want to be a people who serve where we are. The second part is we want to serve where we're able to go. We want to be a people that when God says, hey, I need you, we say, okay. Or when the world says I'm broken, we say, hey, we're ready. I truly believe that as much good as the Red Cross or other organizations do, no one can bring healing like the church because we bring God with us. And so when there's a need, we need to be willing to say, let's go. Just like Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, God says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. We want to be that church. We want to be that church that when a need arises and we're able to go there, we're able to make a difference, we say yes. We didn't publicize this week on on Facebook or anything like that because we didn't want to sound like we were tooting our own own horn. But because we're here as a family today, I want to let you know, last week for Hurricane Harvey, we sent over over $1,800 for the relief to Ides. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's, that's, praise God for our, your gifts and uh, being willing to sacrifice that. But we want to be ready to go when God calls us to go somewhere. We want to be a church that when God says there's a need, we say, how do we sign up? We're ready. Send us. And so we want to be a church that serves here. We want to be a church that serves where we can go. And this sounds really weird, but we want to be a church that serves where we're never going to be. And we do that. There's missions out on that mission wall that you and I will probably never go to. But there's people who are carrying out the Great Commission to take the gospel to all nations and all tongues and and all tribes and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to partner with them as they bring the light of the gospel into the darkness of the world. And you and I may never go there, but we want to be a church that sins. We want to be a church that takes care of people who we will never meet and never see. I would love for our church to be known, not just for serving here and taking care of ourselves, but taking care of people that we'll never meet. I'd love for our church to be one, a church that sponsors kids through things like compassion or world vision. Kids who you'll never meet and in areas that you'll never meet. Our family, we sponsor two kids, one in Haiti and one in, in Africa. And it's so uplifting because you not only just send money and hope that it goes somewhere, you get letters about every month and you get to write back and forth and talk to them about what it's like here and your family and they get to tell you about their life. We want to be a church, and I'm scared to death of planes, so I'm probably never going there, but we want to be a church that serves where we may never go. I want to let you know that this church is serious about serving. We believe that the first fruits that we should give or that we receive, we should give to God. I want you to let you know that your church does that. What we give every single week, the first thing we do is we give back to God by giving to missions that we support. We're serious about serving here. 
And so we don't want to be hashtag activists. We don't want to just play a part on social media. We want to be a church that serves where we are, where we can go, and where we will never be. Now, here's the thing. Um, there's a book called Rise of the Nuns, and it's not like a horror story about Catholic ladies who go crazy. It's, it's N-O-N-E-S, right? Like, and, and it talks about how... I didn't know how that joke would go over, so I'm glad some people left. Um, but it, it's... It basically says that the largest growing demographic of people who aren't hostile to religion, but they're not religious, they're just none. If they had to fill out a blank, they would just say none. I'm not a Christian, I'm not of this, but I'm not going to take a stand. Just none. And it talks about how the way people are getting into the church now is by seeing a cause that they want to support and they go and they do it. Now, I'm all for that, and I believe that we should continue to provide opportunities for people who have a heart for foster children or people who have a heart for the broken or homeless in our community or people who have the heart to go and serve in areas that need it. I believe that we should provide that. But there's a second part to it. That, that's how you get people in. But the question is, how do you get people to stay? And that's why I believe it's important in the order that we go. Connect, grow, and serve. Because here's the truth. If you pour out without being poured into, you will run dry. You'll go empty. And eventually, whatever you pour into will end up making you mad, will make you frustrated, and you'll probably walk away from it, and probably walk away from it forever. And I'm going to guess there's times that you have served in a church at some point, and you have poured in, but you have not been filled and you feel that way that's why you don't volunteer when we ask for volunteers that's why you're kind of callous when it comes to the idea of church it's because you poured your life into something and never got poured into and you just felt empty and you don't want to do that again that's why here at east 40 there's two more parts to this we believe in connecting and we believe in growing James says in verse 18, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. James says, Listen, here's some news for you. Believing in God does not set you apart. He said there's an entire other half to the spiritual battle that's going on. And they believe in God because they're fighting against Him. And they're scared to death of God. And they're trying everything that they can to try and defeat Him, to try to take people away from Him. So just believing in God doesn't set you apart from this. What sets you apart is saying, I believe in God and it has a real impact in my life to make the world a better place and myself a better place. He says, this is the difference. Demons see God and they hate Him and they're scared of Him and they try to do evil things. Christians see God, believe in God, and this should prompt them into change. And so we want to be a people here at East 40 who connect people to God. To find people and connect them in a way that they understand that they were made for a purpose and that God wants to tell them something. And so there's ways that we do that. The first thing that we do is what you're doing here this morning is we want our worship to be fulfilling. We connect through worship. Through singing together, through taking communion together, we want to be united in this. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 14 when it's talking about orderly worship. And it says, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. That's what we desire to do. We want to make sure that there's nothing distraction, distracting. 
We want our worship and everything that we do to be excellent, but that doesn't mean that it's a performance. It just means that we're giving our very best to God and inviting people into a relationship or opportunity to worship God. We want our worship to be fulfilling. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to cater every single thing to your specific worship type. I want you to know that up front, because we would have 75 different five-minute services on a Sunday morning, right? If we did everything that everybody wants, that would be the way that it goes. But what it means is we're asking you to be mature in your faith. So maybe the music isn't exactly what you like, but you look down the, the, the row and your granddaughter's singing her heart out, and you're like, you know what, it's okay. And maybe the music's not what you like, and you're like, well, it's not as jazzed up as I was like, but you look at someone singing Amazing Grace with their eyes closed and a big smile on their face, and you're like, that's okay. Because we're all in this together, and so if one of us celebrates, we all celebrate. And so we want our worship to be fulfilling. The second part is, every Sunday, we want our teaching to be true. We want to make sure that we're connecting people with the living, breathing Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Now, I'm not belittling the fact that there's nations in this world who have nuclear bombs because they can bring great destruction and it's a very scary thing. But do you realize every time you open this, you have something that's more dangerous? Because nuclear bombs can lay waste to physical things. This cuts through darkness. And we get to read this every single day. We get to come together and hear this. And that's why we don't take it lightly. The fact that we preach from this book every single week. And I hope that I am in your prayers. And that when Josh is up here, he's in your prayers. Or if we have somebody else up here, that they're in your prayers. Because we know we're going to read about in James in a few weeks. That when we come from this, we're judged by treating this fairly and doing what's supposed to be done when we read it. And so when we do this, know that we believe, like Paul says in Second Timothy, that all scriptures God breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We believe that about this book. And so that's why we go to it. So often I hear from people and they say, you know what, I just don't hear God anymore. And with that, I'm not being facetious, but my first question is, well, when's the last time you picked up the phone? Like, when's the last time that you opened this Bible? Because it's the Word of God, and it speaks to you. So many times we try to listen to God in different ways when He's saying, you know, I've given you 66 books of my Word. Why don't you start with that? We want to be a church that connects people to the Word of God so they hear what God has for them. And we desire that through worship and through teaching and then through our programming here at church, we connect you to make your faith whole. James continues in James 2, it says, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scriptures was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. 
James goes back and he says, listen, there's two stories from your past that shows. Listen, Abraham is considered God's friend, not just because he acknowledged God, but because he did something with it. They, it was credited to Rahab and to Abraham righteousness when they did what they were supposed to do. And here's the thing. You can't know what you're supposed to do unless you ask the one who's telling you. Right? Guys, you have been telling your wife this for years, even though they have told you. You've told them, well, how am I supposed to know? Like, this is how this works. The only way we know what to do is by asking the one who is trying to tell us. And the way we do that is through connecting to him. And so we want to be a church that connects. We want to connect you to God. But there's a second part to it. We don't want to just connect you to God. We want to connect you to the body of believers called the church. We want you to be connected to each other. Because here's the truth, is that it's really easy for us just to connect to whatever. And so we may be connected to God today, but something might come tomorrow and we connect to something else. We just have a habit of doing this, and so we believe that you have to do it together. Hebrews 12, or Hebrews 10, verse 24 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. He says, hold unswervingly to this faith. If you read Hebrews, this is a common thing. Hold on tight. Now, here's the thing, and unfortunately, we have a real-life example right before us this very hour on what happens if, you, if you're just surface level, don't we? You're going to go home today, you're going to turn on the news, and you're going to see buildings that were there when you left that aren't there anymore on the live feeds on CNN. You're going to see that things aren't the way they were. Why? Because they were built on a surface. And if you and I just simply exist to have a faith surface or faith that's on the surface, I need to tell you, storms will come, waves will come, they will knock you down. They will knock you down. You may think that you're secure in your faith, you may think, you know what, I've done this for 55 years and I'm completely okay with just being surface level. The truth of the matter is something will come, it will knock you down. And so we want you to connect with God. And we want you to connect with people. And I'll say this this morning, you can't do it if you're not here. The minister at the church that we came from, Weston Williams, he, he used to say, listen, if you're on the once-a-month plan, we'd love to have you on the twice-a-month plan when it comes to church. And it's true. If you're on a once-a-month plan, you come here once a month, you know, we're, we're so glad to have you. But I tell you what, we do this every week, so you might as well come back again. Because the truth is, if you come once a month, you're not going to get connected. You're not. You're going to complain that you're not connected. You might go find another church so you can be more connected. But I tell you, if you go once a month there, you're not going to feel connected either. Be connected. Choose to be involved in each other's lives. And that's why that second part of our mission statement is true. We want you to connect, but we want you to grow. Here's the truth. Dying things don't grow. They don't. If you have a plant and it's dying, it's not growing. And the truth of the matter is, if we're not growing, we're going to be, and we go back to this verse in James, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. It's dangerous for us. 
If we don't grow, if we don't live out our faith, we're going to lose it and everything else. And so we believe that you not only should connect to God and connect to the body of believers, but we believe that you should grow in those relationships. And so the first thing that we believe is that you need to be involved and make a decision to further your faith in studying God's Word. We believe that you should do this. As a Christian, you should be involved in growing in your faith. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And we have sang that hymn growing up, if you grew up singing hymns, right? As the deer, I'm not going to sing because that's embarrassing for all of us. But as the deer pants for the water, and it sounds so beautiful. You know what essentially this is? This is my son in the back seat after driving for four hours who's really hungry asking if we're there yet. Like, this is what it is. It's like, I cannot get filled. I want more. Right? It's a beautifully phrased, are we there yet? But it's, it's amazing. Because what he wants is not food. What he wants is, I want to go meet with God. I want something more than this. We're promised the living water, a food that we can eat that makes us never starve or never go thirsty again. And the way that you do that is by studying God's Word. Listen, there is Sunday school. There is Sunday night. There is Wednesday afternoon. There is Wednesday night small groups. There's a Tuesday morning women's Bible study. And if none of those dates work for you, trust me, we can fit something else in. And we're not doing it just to do it or because we've always done it that way. We do it because we truly believe that we need to grow in our faith. And so if you're not involved in any of those things, know that you're trying to do life alone. And the first thing God said when he, made Ab- when he made Adam was, it's not good for man to be alone. And it's not just that he gave him a woman, it's that he gave him, gave him community. Because that's how we grow. And so we want to make a decision. We want to be a church that says we will grow deep in our faith. And then we want to, as a result of that, we want to be involved in two different relationships. We want to be involved in a relationship where we are being discipled by someone and that we are discipling something else. Or to use the illustration, we want to make sure that we are being poured into and that we're being poured into someone else. I look over our congregation this morning and I see people who are this tall and people who have been here since the first doors opened. And it's a beautiful thing. But it's just a bunch of individuals unless we come together as a family. Find someone who is more mature in the faith with you or equal with you and just talk to them about spiritual things so that you can be poured into. And then don't just hoard that up to yourself. Instead, spread it out to people who are less mature than you, people who are younger than you. We want to be a, a people that when someone comes to worship on a Sunday morning, they look and say, wow, they like each other. And it's a joke, but you can go to some churches and know that that's not true. We want to be, wow, they care for each other. Look, they're not even related and they're talking. This is amazing. We want to be a church that pours into each other. Ephesians 4 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow, there's that word, to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself in, up in love as each part does its work. That's what a church does. It grows individually and it grows together by choosing to do life in community. By choosing to say, I'm going to make sure that I learn something today and that I teach something today. What if you took that motivation? What if you came into the church and said, today I'm going to learn something and I'm going to teach something? Being poured into and then pouring. But I want you to notice something. What's the only way that the church grows and is mature? That last phrase, that each part does its work. That each part. Yes, I'm talking about you. Each part. Every single one of us decides that we're going to do everything in our power to make this church be what God created it to be. And if you're coming here just once a month, and if you're coming here just when you feel like it, and if you're just coming here to check off the attendance list, if you're just doing that, then I'm going to tell you a couple things, and I'm going to tell you in all Christian love because I want the best for you. You're holding yourself back, and you're holding us back. If I'm not doing that, I'm holding myself back, and I'm holding you back. It's true. If we don't do our part, we think that we're just, you know, kind of messing up our own life. You're not. You're holding back the body of Christ who wants to grow and is, to, is joined together by every supporting ligament, which means we're all united in this. And so we want to be a church that isn't just saying we believe in God. We don't want to be just another special interest group in a community that gets together and says, yes, we can agree to one statement, and that's what unites us. We want to say, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We accept Him as our Savior, and then we want to live like it makes a difference. And we want to do that by connecting, by growing, and by serving. So this morning, we need you. We need you. We need you to do your part. And if you have no idea what your part is, we'd love to find out what you're good at so that we can let you know how you can serve here, how you can make this a better place. Don't just be a Sunday Christian. Don't be a once-a-month Christian or once-every-other-month Christian. Be a vital part of this congregation because we want to go places, but we don't want to go there without you. We want you to plug in. You see, there's a world out there who needs the evidence of Jesus. And what better way to do it than to be His hands and feet? We get to do that. And so here's what we're taking home today. By connecting, growing, and serving, we have a living faith that impacts our church and our world. And this is what we want to do. I'm going to pray, but here in a moment, if maybe you're just not connected, maybe you don't know how to grow in your faith, or maybe you just want a place to serve, whether it's down here or whether out in the lobby here in just a second, you want to say, hey, I've never served at a church before. This is what I'm good at. What can I do? I guarantee you will find a place. I guarantee it. Or you say, you know what? I just don't know. You know, How do I get involved in this? We've got four small groups. Guys, we had over 80 people here 
on Wednesday night who are starting small groups here in this church. We'd love to add you to that. We'd love to tell you what we're studying in these different Bible studies that we're having. Come forward today because we need you. We want you a part of what we're doing here at East 40. More importantly, what God is doing here at East 40. Young and old, whatever your background. My question to you is, are you in? And I hope that you are. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the beautiful opportunity we have to be your hands and feet in this world. Father, you tell us uh, through Paul that there's no hierarchy of spiritual gifts or abilities that we're all in this together from someone who is, is preaching to someone who is leading behind the scenes to someone who's changing the light bulbs. Like how we're all, we are all important here. And we see through your word that we're only able to grow mature as a group if everyone's doing their part. And so, Father, I pray that that starts with me. Help me to do my part. And then I ask that you would help all of us to do our part. And it's as simple as this, Father. Help us to see what you created us for. And we believe that, that you're eager to show us and to tell us. And so we pray that you would do that today. Father, we know that you can't be a part of this unless we know you. And so we pray that we would leave here today with a better understanding of who you are and therefore a better understanding of who we are. And I pray, Father, this morning, if there's anyone here who does not know you, that they would not leave this place today without realizing that they were made for a purpose and that you love them, that you died for them, and that you have a plan for them. Father, we ask all these things in your Son's name. Amen. So this morning, if you have a decision to make, we invite you to come forward as we come and stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name, Christ alone, cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love Through the storm He is Lord, Lord of all When darkness seems to hide His face I rest on His unchanging grace In every high and stormy vale I anchor holds against the veil Christ alone, cornerstone, 
weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When He shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in Him be found, Dressed in His righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne Christ alone Cornerstone Weak made strong In the Savior's love Through the storm He is Lord Lord of all That's what we get to hold on to. Christ is who we build our life on. He's who we take with us. And he will sustain us everywhere we go. I invite you to come back tonight. If you've got kids, bring them to our kids' programming. But tonight, we're kind of piggybacking off of this morning. The question is, how do we grow in our faith? And so we're just going to take that and run with it this semester as we explore different ways that we can grow in our faith. I hope to see you there. I'd love to talk to you back in the, the lobby if, if you have anything about being plugged in here, but we've enjoyed worshiping with you this morning. Uh, go in the grace of God. Greater things yet. Started in the wrong key. Sorry. Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done here. Have a great week.